I want a, a shout out for the Zoom land also. And uh, I'm just recognizing you're with us together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to just make a couple of announcements. Um, today we'll do a second round of COVID testing. And so it'll happen at 7.15. And so if you have your own COVID test kit, please bring along and you can use that. And uh, we'll be doing um, doing it just like kind of going to the dining hall. And uh, we'll be doing that in the dining hall. So just uh, line up at 7.15. And um, uh, we'll see what happens after that. <laughs> and that if everyone's negative, we'll put up a sign on the door. Okay, so if everyone yeah. is negative... Uh, we'll put up a sign at on the door, so uh, you will find out. And um, the other announcement is uh, LGBTQIA uh, sitting at six forty-five today in the walking hall, and so it's optional. Uh, welcome to join if that feels supportive for you. And so. Um, I want to do a little review of uh, what we've been talking about so far uh, about this journey and that uh, we've been using a, a kind of a journey as a metaphor for this unfolding. And I want to maybe review this from several different dimensions. And that is a, a dimension of unfolding. And there is an embodied dimension a somatic dimension. And so this going from meeting dukkha to shifting the perspective of relationship we have with the dukkha has embodied effect. And so I will kind of share some words, reflections about that. And there's also the dimension of unfolding uh, from the perspective of the heart and perspective of the mind, and maybe even at the spiritual level. And so I'll um, speak uh, to each of this um, a bit. So from the embodied perspective, and and this journey, uh, as we begin, uh, we may begin to notice that we're carrying a lot of unnecessary tension in the body. Uh, maybe it's you know emotions and thoughts, um, but from a felt sense perspective of our embodied experience, uh, we can begin to notice on um, how we might be carrying um, kind of unnecessary stress and tension in the body. And through walking this journey, began to noticing this, this is also a journey of lightening up the unnecessary tension and stress in the body kind of a journey. And I remember um, as I began my uh, mindfulness practice and almost immediately I would notice how often my shoulders were put up, pulled, uh, pulled up, 
kind of held up. You know, I can blame the you know working computer industry and that it happens. But as I paid more attention, I noticed it's not necessary. I was often holding up, carrying certain kind of a mental um, uh, orientation with it, kind of trying to get something done really fast or getting really intense in some way, and so my shoulders、uh, were held up. But through、uh, the practice, I began to notice. Well, this is not necessary. As I learned to kind of just relax and drop my shoulder, and I don't know when and how, but at some point,、uh, I began to notice、uh, every time I turned to my body, oh, my shoulders are no longer held up, and so and the body began to learn lightening up some of the tensions that we carry. And that are not not needed. And this is not to say that on this journey somehow would magically manage us to have no pain <laughs> or no tension. And that's not the point of、uh, what this is pointing to. Instead,、uh, what is pointing to is for us to begin to pay attention to how the tensions might be held. In our somatic、um, field, that may be unnecessary. And and remember, recent retreat, I think Gil used this term on relaxing the micro muscles. And I had no clue what micro muscles are, <laughs> but it somehow resonated、uh, a lot because I began to notice, and、um, maybe.、Um, The ways that I didn't pay attention to before, where I was、um, kind of putting a little more stress in it.、Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I would notice in my meditation, my tongue was pressing against my teeth, just slightly harder, kind of as if I'm trying to get somewhere. It's like, you know, just a little extra effort there. But if I just relax, it's as if my whole being start to soften a little. And、um, and there are many of this kind of micro movements in the body, and that we can begin to pay attention to. And so, in this way, on this path that、uh, we've been describing. Allows us to begin to put down some of the tension and the pressure that we carry with the body, and then from the mind's perspective, and this is a journey that goes from cloudiness or murkiness, not seeing clearly, and getting caught up,、uh, to freedom. From getting caught up, and to become clear about、um, the lived ex- lived experience,、um, we may all have experienced this on this retreat、um, already. Now, coming to the retreat, often we carry a lot with us.
plans, the expectations, the goals, and can keep us very busy in our mind, and you know, in the form of thoughts and and uh, uh, stories that we tell ourselves, and also comes uh, in terms of um, a lot of inner chatter. And so, when that is happening. It's hard to really see what is happening right here and right now in our lived experience. But by walking this liberative path, practicing like what you've been doing for this last few days, um, it's kind of like going through um, this process that the girl spoke about—the ritual process of leaving behind.、Um, The big luggages and stuff we put in there, and then there is a lot more space within us. Mo- maybe it's momentary. We feel like, oh, there's not a whole lot of、um, nonstop chatter. There can be a momentary quietness, and when this happens,、um, our mind can feel a bit more clear. It's kind of the clouds gets cleared up, and the sky become clear. And similarly, that can happen within our、um, mental dimensions of a being. And then,、um, from the heart's perspective,、um, I would say this is a journey that goes from. Maybe heartbreaks, heartaches, to assure heart's release. And dukkha, in some ways,、uh, could be understood、um, as heartbreaks, heartaches. And I was、uh, struck by the Chinese translation of this.、Um, Last link of dependent origination that to speak about the whole mass of dukkha, and and often this、uh, stock phrase the line goes something like,、uh, with birth as condition, aging and death, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair arise. Such is our origination of this entire mass of suffering. And many of the Chinese characters that translate、uh, words like sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, despair, has that heart character in it. And it's kind of like either something burdens the heart, pressures the heart, or make the heart、uh, shake, unease. And so, you know, they sound like a. Just something has a lot to do with our heart. Lots of heart-related、um, aches and pains. And yet, as we、uh, walk this liberative path, our heart can begin to open. And I often associate to some of、uh, the aspect of faith, trust.、Um, Joy, gladness, that has something to do with the heart. 
and the constrictions and blockage can begin to be released. And so there is this unfolding that goes from um, kind of tightening, constricted, and hardened to that is opened and released. And so that's also a dimension um, that can be uh, can unfold as we walk this path. And the last one, I I say that uh, maybe from the spiritual a spiritual dimension uh, of unfolding, uh, and there is a sense of from not getting in touch. Or see the spiritual dimensions of our, our being to open to the potential awe and um, wonder of our being, and so those are all kind of a different dimensions that can open to us as we begin to、uh, engage with this liberative, dependent unfolding. So today,、um, I am going to continue from、uh, where Kim and Gil left off after dukkha, faith, and gladness and joy. Today, I'll be talking about tranquility and happiness. That makes me very happy to <laughs> talk about this. <laughs> So、uh, let's start with the tranquility, and so tranquility, the a Pali term, pasadi or pasada, and has also other、um, meanings associated with it, and like calm, repose, serenity. In this、uh, liberative unfolding,、uh, it follows pamoja and piti. And the girl spoke about gladness and、uh, joy or rapture. Other translations of it. And the tranquility has a different feel to it. And I I want to say that sometimes and I am aware that people have a different associations with the words tranquilizing. Um. And then I just want to put it out、uh, first. It's not like a taking a tranquilizer <laughs> shot. <laughs> this is not what this is. But rather, maybe the adjective form of this word、uh, would be a little more descriptive of、uh, where this is pointing to. That is the、uh, tranquil, serene, peace, and calm. And this is kind of the Uh, the feeling associated with this, pasada、uh, follows piti、uh, is a very natural flow. Often,、uh, piti、uh, for people can be felt as a very energetic field, and maybe I think yesterday、uh, the word used for this is something like、uh, uplifting.、Uh, And、uh, for me, often I associate it with、uh, PT as kind of a bubbly feeling and the delight that you want to skip and <laughs> jump and dance kind of a feeling.
quite it can be quite ex, uh, exciting, uh, but at some point, you can't do that all the time. <laughs> It'd be too much. <laughs> And so the natural flow of this, um, if we allow this flow to um, happen um, on its own terms, the natural flow is that this energetic field will begin to settle, begin to calm, calm down, quiet down. And when the quiet and the calm uh, become predominant. And that feels one's experience and body, mind, and heart. And we're in the field of a tranquility. Mm -hmm. I want to uh, also mention that um, even though we're talking about all of this uh, uh, kind of a, a different uh, aspects of this unfolding, and some may feel quite elusive. Um, Uh, maybe the word, uh, the phrase that one of my teachers use uh, can be supportive. And that is, all of this were pointing at something. Uh, maybe a hint of it is good enough. Or maybe just a hint of a hint, a hint of a possibility. Maybe that's enough. And so not something that we have to, can, again, cook up a big project to kind of work it up. And the um, Pasadi has um, a felt sense uh, in the embodied way. And uh, I love the Chinese translation of um, uh, this term. And that literally, and the two characters, Qing An, maybe only a few of you know, um, it means light and peaceful. And so the embody the felt sense of a tranquility is that kind of the body becomes light and like a big cotton ball uh, sitting, you know, even though you're still the, the body, but it feels like as if it becomes very light and it becomes peaceful, very content. And even uh, in the midst of maybe aches and pains in the body, uh, the tranquility can be present. Just like Kim was talking about, the joy can be present even when and there are something painful. And similarly, even if there are different degrees of a pain and a discomfort, um, one can still experience um, the aspect of tranquility. And the pain and uh, discomfort are no longer kind of bothersome or troublesome. They're just there, part of our being. Um, and the mental aspect of this is that the mind can become quiet and still. And so a lot of inner chatters uh, might temporarily fade or could also just be flowing at the surface. They no longer kind of really pull you away all the time. And uh, sometimes the pulling away 
Uh, as uh, for me, it was almost as if I'm jumping on a train and just you know being carried by the train of thoughts. Um, but here, even if there are thoughts, they're not kind of taking you away, and you're still in that field of、uh, peace and、uh, quiet st- state of a being. In、uh, one of the、uh, articles that Gil wrote about the tranquility. I want to share this、um, uh, this phrase that this、uh, sentences that kind of describes what this、uh, may be pointing to. So, meditative tranquility is a compelling state that can involve feelings of peace, calm, serenity, contentment, and deep rest in the body. Tranquility is like a deep, clear lake with a wide, still surface. In the mind, tranquility is like the soft, quiet, fresh air over the lake at dawn. Yeah, maybe even just for those who.、Um, the images of this might evoke certain sense of a feeling. I just feel that clear lake, with the fresh, cool air over it at dawn. And when one stays in this field of tranquility, it can be very satisfying. And it can also be a very healing place to hang out. And I'll offer another one,、um, a short poem, haiku, a Japanese haiku, that may be pointing to some different、uh, aspects of tranquility. Oh, tranquility, penetrating the very rock. A cicada's voice. And some of you may have noticed this on retreat. There are sometimes、uh, when our mind and heart and body is quiet, the sound all around can feel different than what is normally kind of sounded like. Either they get highlighted, or sometimes for me it kind of feels like almost as if I had a really crisp edges to them, and so、uh, so that can kind of get highlighted、uh, by a quiet, still mind. And then from the heart's perspective, one may notice different heart qualities. And heart qualities can become、uh, visible. Maybe the heart feels tender.、Uh, some people have、uh, reported that one may cry without any reason. One could figure out why am I crying. But sometimes in this really tender space, the heart can be very tender. One can smile. Or one can cry, 
And all of this can happen because the heart is really tender and soft. And there can also be a sense of uh, pure heartedness. It's as if um, a lot of impurities that kind of hindered our heart and mind are temporarily put away. And so there can be a sense of feeling um, pure-hearted in one's being. And the primary way of cultivating tranquility in our tradition uh, is through um, meditative, meditative practices, like what you are all engaged in on the retreat or practicing at home, regular meditation practices and meditative movement practices are all quite supportive. I want to share um, that in a a commentary listed seven things, seven conditions that are in support of bodily and mental tranquility. And their kind of conditions for the arising of a tranquility. I was reading this list and and going check 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 for each of us <laughs> here, because it just feels like the environment we're in right here. One is having proper food. We're pretty well fed here. Uh, living in a good climate. Well, pretty good, right? <laughs> Do a check. Uh, maintaining a pleasant posture. And we're doing the best we can, but you know, I think we're all right. And the next one is um, uh, keeping to the middle. I sense this maybe some sense of a balance, not kind of a total out of a balance. Um, I think we're you know reasonable here, and avoiding violent people. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> and cultivation of um, people tranquil in body. I think we're in good company. Uh, yeah. And resolute upon tranquility. I think a sense I have is that all of you are practicing so sincerely. And so then we're, we're having really good conditions all around uh, for tranquility to arise. And so when I read this list, I felt pretty happy. <laughs> oh, very good. And so, um, and then you can probably... Uh, you know, arrive at a conclusion that what doesn't support the cultivation of a tranquility, right? When we have a really uh, busy body, mind, and speech, it's hard. It's hard to get quiet and settled and um, relaxed. I know for myself, um, you know, this sense of getting really busy uh, was uh, uh, was a big challenge. I think it's a um, high tech job, um, 
that I was in was quite intense, and I often would run from one meeting to the next without a time to even shake a hand to someone <laughs> who was introducing themselves or say hi to anybody, and that's. Really hard to cultivate tranquility <laughs> in that kind of a busy mode, and we can also be very busy verbally, either through speech or through the inner chatter, our mind. And in、uh, Pali,、uh, there is this term that speaks to、uh, sort of.、Um, Maybe in a way, non-stop discursive thinking and inner chatter, and it sounded like inner chatter, papancha. Sometimes I go papam 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 patancha. <laughs> It's kind of like a blah 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 blah. And、uh, and in fact, and、uh, interesting enough that I think in different languages they all have words like this to describe the inner chatter. And I was thinking, what was in Chinese? And it sounds like、um, the Chinese it goes like "wala wala wala," <laughs> <laughs> basically doing that、uh, nonstop inside. And so all of this can keep us shuffling at the surface level of our being. It's really hard for us to begin to settle down. And、uh, when this is not settled. And you can imagine, you know, our mind becomes murky. It's hard to see things clearly, and that's where a dukkha can begin to layer one layer after another. All those reactions builds one after another,、um, put a huge burden on our heart,、uh, in our mind. And so.、Um, So we learn to cultivate tranquility through becoming aware of what's supportive and what's not supportive, and begin to、um, allow this unfolding of faith,、um, inspiration, and joy to bubble up within us. When our body, mind, and heart becomes peaceful and calm, serene, and there is a natural arising of the sweet happiness, it's kind of like an underground spring springing up, and this is the next element in this unfolding journey. And following tranquility is happiness. And I also often associate this kind of happiness, and then the Pali term sukha、uh, has a kind of、uh, subtle, quiet feel to it. It's kind of like a, a gentle inner smile. And it's again this one thing that bubbles up that maybe without need for any reason. For it to bubble up, it just we notice that happiness may be present, and a sweetness may be in the being, and no need to have to explain why it happens and and what have you. And so this kind of happiness can be very 
are nourishing and soothing, and as such, it's a very conducive for deepening this sense of unification, collective collectedness. I sometimes、um, use the analogy of this kind of happiness is kind of the few drops of honey into、uh, a nice cup of tea. And it's not overpowering, but just kind of a, a, a little sweetness that、um, uh, soothes our body, soothes our mind. But I also know that this、uh, word happiness、uh, can have、uh, mixed associations with it, and often、uh, in our、um, broader materialistic. World that we live in, the happiness is associated with getting some things, you know, gain, gaining things.、Um, but this kind of happiness、uh, is different, and it's actually a quieting down and settling down. I want to use an an an.、Uh, A personal story to share, a kind of the difference, and that、um, that this may highlight. So I remember once getting a pretty unexpected bonus from work, and you probably had to understand a little bit of the context of where I came from to understand my state of being, a mind. Of my life up till that point,、um, I was instilled with the belief of not having financial security, and I was never kind of、uh, feeling safe in that dimension. And I,、uh, so this big bonus means a lot, and not unexpected, right? And so it was a, a really big deal. And I remember、uh, driving down from my work.、Um, I work in a lab that kind of sits on top of a, a mountain, a little mountain, from the、uh, top of this、um, uh, top of the the mountain where our lab is at. Going downhill is about one or two minutes of drive. And、so、I, at the beginning, when I was driving down, I just. Had this surge of happiness bubbling up.、Uh, it was、uh, quite something. And then, by the time I got to on the bottom of the hill, I just noticed my mind was already on something else. <laughs> I got really shocked. I noticed that what this is gone already. <laughs> I thought this would make me happy forever. But it just vanished like that. Now, before I even got back to my home, just got right at the gate of getting out of my company、uh, where I worked. So that really shook me, and it was a major lesson I learned about the happiness, the conventional happiness.、Um, That I had a whole lot of trust in, and so that from there, the kind of a beginning of 
a long journey of shifting and changing that relationship. I think all of us know this kind of um, materialistic and gaining and getting kind of happiness. I think I once heard someone saying that there had been uh, some work done analyzing the happiness of um, getting something. Like if you do a shopping, you know, and the happiness often lasts till you put the stuff in the shopping cart. And after that, <laughs> you're on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and with, uh, with online, it's just a few buttons you push <laughs> and, and that's it. Yeah. And yet our, the process that we're describing here uh, is not dependent on gaining, achieving, accomplishing getting or getting rid of that's the other thing you know just only if I get rid of that then I'll be good and so it's not dependent on that rather it's a process of quieting and stilling and settling and when this happens the happiness just bubbles up without a need for any reason or need for outcomes And so this is, this can be quite potent, and as such, and this would uh, uh, this would lead to a deeper state of collectedness, uh, which uh, we'll be talking about tomorrow. That is the uh, the aspect of a samadhi. And. Um, One other thing I want to mention about this kind of a happiness uh, is how this happiness may be related to certain kind of a freedom. And the freedom, and, uh, it's not shaken by hatred, hostility, and illness. Um, in Dhammapata, and there are these few verses that I'd like to share um, I found them quite inspiring. And so it goes to something like this. Ah, so happily we live without hate among those with hate. Ah, so happily we live without misery among those in misery. Ah, so happily we live without ambition among those with ambition. And so there is this kind of a freedom associated with this kind of a happiness. That in the midst of everything, we can be happy. happy happiness can be present. And how do we cultivate this kind of happiness? Well, it's not uh, unlike how we cultivate tranquility. And maybe in addition to uh, that, one thing that will be helpful is to begin to notice what is beautiful and nourishing. 
that sometimes we may be ignoring or not seeing. And this way we can practice to be happy in a sense. And the reason I highlight this one because um, in uh, neurosciences and it says that our brain somehow is wired to scan for danger. And so we can get very habitual in picking out uh, what's wrong, what's dangerous, what's threatening. And that's kind of built into our system. And so it's very important uh, to begin to learn to cultivate happiness through opening to uh, some new possibilities that we may miss. And I'd like to share uh, this um, line from Rumi about roses and thorns. Some of you may have heard this. When you go to a garden, do you look at thorns or flowers? Spend more time with the roses and jasmine. I want to uh, end uh, today's talk by sharing a poem from a Chinese um, Buddhist or a Taoist figure, which um, many people, uh, I think uh, he's very, uh, we don't know much about him, and his n- name is Han Shen, and the literal uh, translation of it is Cold Mountain. And he was um, a person that's known as living in around 9th century and uh, lived in mountains a lot of times, you know, be wandering around there, and he would leave poetry on the rocks. And his poetry often expresses on a kind of tranquility happiness, and the freedom that he experienced. And so here is one. Me, I'm happy with the everyday way, like the mist and the vines in this rock-strewn ravines. This wilderness is so free and vast. My old friends the white clouds drift idly off. There is a road, but it doesn't reach the world, mindless who can be distracted by thoughts. At night, I sit alone on a stone bed while the round moon climbs the face of cold mountain. Amidst a thousand clouds and ten thousand streams, There lives an ex-scholar me, by day wandering this green mountains, at night coming home to sleep beneath a cliff. Suddenly, spring and fall have already passed by, and no dust has piled up to disturb this stillness. Such happiness 
What do I depend on? Here, it's as tranquil as autumn river water. So let's sit for a few moments. And thank you 